Hello, how the heck are you? Maybe you're listening to this in the Central Library right now. If so, then when you've finished whatever you're doing, pop over to our showcase and say hello. We'd love to show you what we've been up to. And if you're listening in the future, well, what a treat we have to share with you today. Welcome to Digital Spaces Presents. It's a collection of conversations and collaborations to explore the role arts and culture has in our communities and what on earth we mean by digital culture. For the next few minutes, you'll be hearing us talk about Fosal Library and we've a stellar cast to help share what's been happening over the last 12 months. Let me introduce you. First, Emma Dacre from Craft Space. We're really passionate about the power of making to improve people's confidence, but how it can work when you make as a group as well. There's Susan Gray from Fosal Library. Our connection to Broad Street Meeting Hall has definitely started now. Um, Perhaps the library coming to them, even if they won't come to us, we can come to them and seeing other ways that we can work together. And some of the people who come along to Broad Street Hall's Wellness Junction Group too, like Asha. Coming to this class has really turned my fuel. So art to me, it is the compass. If it saved me, it can save others. Kanchan. It was quite traumatic from the point of view that we had to leave within 24 hours and my mom and dad had to stay behind with my younger brother, siblings, coming to the strange country which I hadn't a clue as to where we were going. It was so hard, very hard. And Kubra. When you are all alone in the house, you don't talk to anyone, your TV is your friend, and you are TV's friend. But here you have a company to talk to. And I'm Claire. Welcome. Before I tell you what we've been up to, I want you to listen to something, to this. This is a recording of members of the Wellness Junction Group during a creative jewellery making session. Sounds fun, right? Together, people from different walks of life, different ages and countries are sharing stories of their culture, of their heritage, of their families, all whilst making jewellery. And that's where this story starts, bringing people together and creating. Not just physical things to hold in our hands, but also a digital resource an exhibition and an archive capturing the stories of people often unheard. With the help of the resources and the team at Fosal Library, members of an organisation called Craft Space and the Shalanu Women's Craft Collective have collaborated with the Broad Street Hall Wellness Junction Group. And over a few weeks, they explored their own history and culture through shape, colour, decoration and great conversation. Right now, well, if it's still July anyway, you can see photos of the work they've created as part of these sessions. They're on display in the Central Library. 
So pop down and say hello to the people surrounded by lovely light boxes on the first floor. But for those of you wanting to know a bit more from afar, then sit back and listen as we recap what happened and what we learnt. Well, big thank you to Susan Gray and Emma Dacre for coming together on a Zoom call today. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us all to reflect on the Formed in Fosal project. Um, first, Susan, you're a development manager at the library, uh, this one as, as well as others. Maybe we just start with the basics, you know, for those who've never been to Fosal Library. Can you just tell us a bit more about it? How long has Fosal had a library and, and what goes on there? particular library that's on Broad Street in Fosil um, was a Carnegie library and it was built in 1915. So um, Andrew Carnegie was a philanthropist, an American businessman, um, and he uh, created libraries in America and also in Europe. Um, and there are over 600 in the UK and in Coventry itself, there are three, one of which is Fosil Library. So that's why it looks the way it is today. Um, if you have a walk along Broad Street, it does look different to the other buildings that are there. Wow. I mean, and, and how many people are using Fosil Library in a typical week? Have you, have you got any idea? Well, we used to have visitors of over 10,000, um, obviously before we had uh, COVID. Um, so we're now um, fully open again to the public. So our numbers are increasing, but they're nowhere near what they were. But um, in the last few weeks, we've um, had another new group come and join us, a knitting group um, organised by ECTA. Um, and we thought there was only going to be a handful of people of ladies coming to join us, although men are welcome. Um, but there's a, it's a large group of about 12 or more. So that's a new uh, group that started. And just before Christmas, we had a group called Creative Kindness come and join us in the library, um, where it's people who come together who um, just want to socialise with other people. But during that time, they're making a craft um, that they leave in the libraries for other users to find. Um, or if it's a particular project Creative Kindness um, are involved in, it will get shared throughout the city. Um, so that's been a wonderful thing to have them come and uh, join us in the library. Um, that's without, obviously, people using the computers and coming in to read the paper. Um, just general quieter times or families coming in for our story times. And we have rhyme times and stay and play throughout the week as well. Um, so we welcome our families and our school children after school to use the computers. I mean, this really sounds so busy, doesn't it? And actually, Fosal Library, are, you know, for, for me, seems like one of the smaller ones in, in the city. But I mean, I suppose a big part of your focus at the moment is to make sure that more community groups know that the doors of the library are open and that this can be a space that they can use. Is that right? Yes, it is. Um, it's not It's not just um, the groups that come to us. We also share our space with other partners. So we offer things like health checks. They're just coming back into the library. In the past, we've had um, Cook and Be Well sessions where people can come in and learn how to create um, healthy food on a small budget. So, yes, it's, it's about our partners coming in. 
Um, and that, that's why this particular project has been wonderful, working with Emma and Shilanu, um, where we've, we've engaged in an organisation that's very close to the library, um, who maybe didn't know um, all the other things that we do and um, how we can support them. Yeah, and you know, let us kind of bring it back to this project then. So, you know, with the group we're talking about is the Wellness Junction, uh, which is set up at Broad Street Hall, which is right next to the library. Um, you know, what what can you kind of tell us about this group or, or what you know of, Susan? And um, well, I, I know they're a group of mostly Asian people, and they're a mix of men and women. Um, who are from the wider community who come come in and meet this particular group meets twice a week on a Monday and a Wednesday at the wellness junction so it's been nice to go and meet them because they're right as you say they're right next door to us um, so it's nice to go and tell them what we do and how we can support them in the future as well if they're going to have other projects or if they want to get more involved in the library and um, we're hoping that that will be something that will come out of this project going forward. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. I mean, let me bring you in, Emma, your exhibitions and project development manager with uh, a craft space. Um, you know, the initial idea was to use these sessions um, to help members of the group recognise that the library is this space that's open and that they're welcome there. I mean, the obvious question is, how do you do that using craft? So, yeah, I mean, it was, um, the, there's ways we could do it. And there were, it was a bit tricky when we were starting, wasn't it, Susan? Because there were still um, some restrictions around COVID and it was a really big group. It's a great group, the Wellness Junction. They're so lively. We applied for the commission by suggesting a proposal where uh, our Shalani members, um, who are a collective of migrant and refugee women, which I can speak more about in a bit, maybe, um, but they would take the, uh, we'd work with the, the group, the Wellness Junction group for about 11 weeks, taking through the, them through a process where they could explore their cultural heritage um, and their own family histories, which is something that group identified that they wanted to explore. But we could do that through making um, and we linked it with the library. It was great that Susan was able to come with set uh, to sessions with Sergeet as well. And they could bring objects and books and things that the, the group could could refer to um, and those books we could take patterns from and colours from um, so that when the Shalani members were teaching how to make the jewellery um, they could get ideas about how to represent those themes in the pieces they were making. Amazing I mean and, and craft space as well what is it that you do with craft space who are they? <laughs> we're a craft development organisation based in Birmingham uh, we're a charity an education charity um, we're not uh, a venue where we're office based but we work collaboratively in everything that we do really um, we've been an organization since 1986 um, I've not been there all that time to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we're, we're, uh, we do uh, touring exhibitions of contemporary craft that travel to museums and galleries around the country but we do a lot of project work in Birmingham and in the region uh, about the power of making really about how um, it can be uh, a really engaging way um, to deal with um, talking about difficult subjects um, when people are busy with their hands. Um, it's easier to kind of look at different tricky issues, maybe. It's great for well-being. Um, and we, we're really passionate 
also about um, the power of making uh, to improve people's confidence, but how it can work when you make as a group as well. Mm. You've mentioned Shalanu. Can you yeah. tell us a bit about who they are? Yeah, sure. So Shalanu, um, the word means belonging to us in Hebrew. Um, and it's a project, it's a craft-based project that's run on a social enterprise basis. And it came out of an action research project that we did for one of our touring exhibitions that looked at identity uh, a number of years ago now. Um, but as an organisation as well, uh, CraftSpace, we're really interested in how diverse the contemporary craft sector is or actually isn't. Um, and how we can look at pathways to making for different people. Shalani kind of began uh, its origins in 2009 after we'd done workshops with this group they, um, that worked with migrant and refugee women from about 40 different countries. They said how the craft projects had brought the women together who maybe only spoke to women from the countries they were from and it brought them all together and integrating more helped with improve their English helped with their confidence as well so then we wanted to look at how women could be the women could perhaps become producers in their own right rather than beneficiaries of projects all the time and and that's when the kind of idea of social enterprise was coming around having a business with a social aim a not-for-profit business so as I say Shalani's run on a social enterprise basis in that women migrant and refugee women in Birmingham come to craft space once a week to learn new skills jewelry making skills but other craft as well helps with their English get to know the city they get to meet new people but all the money that's uh made from sales go back into uh, the running of it and I should just say the jewellery collections they make uh, and other things that's really key to what craft space does is with all of our project we work with practicing makers because that means a quality of experience and skill that's being passed on so uh, Shalani learned from practicing jewellers to do their own collections and then when they've been with us a while we train them to deliver workshops to the community as well which is what happened with the um formed in Falls Hill project. Yeah. And what uh, and what an opportunity for people living in Fosel to be a part of this, I suppose. I mean, we're going to come to talk about the exhibition and the digital tools uh, in more detail in a moment. Uh, but let me just take a pause because I'd love to introduce people listening to some of the members of the group. Um, oral historian Laura Owen recorded a few of their stories for us, actually, uh, so that we could save them in our digital archive. So let's meet one of them. This is Kanchan, who's a a qualified radiographer uh, who worked in the NHS for 39 years. Um, but refugee and migrant is a theme, I think, that we're going to hear more about in a moment. But this is a taster of how Kanchan came to be in Coventry. Yeah, going back um, brings back <clears throat> memory about uh, leaving Kenya. That's where I was born and brought up. Uh, I was 18, I think, when I left. <clears throat> it was quite traumatic from the point of view that we had to leave within 24 hours and my mom and dad had to stay behind with my younger brother, siblings, brother and sister. Those uh, few moments of having to leave my parents behind and coming to the strange country which I hadn't, hadn't had a clue as to where we were going. <clears throat> Uh, we didn't know about the weather, we didn't know about, just didn't know anything about it. Absolutely dark. 
Um, yes, so when we arrived, and because it was a mass exodus from East Africa, Kenya, there were lots of people with us, so it was like just had to go with the flow, really. My older sister and my younger brother, we had to just manage somehow. My dad used to send some money, but it was, we had to really be careful how much we spend and all that sort of thing. It was so hard, very hard. Well, Fosal is one of the most ethnically diverse regions in the city, as it says in the statistics. You know, according to the last census, just over a third of people living in Fosal, like Kanchan, were born in other countries. You know, Susan, what what can you tell us about people who live in the Fosal area? It is a very diverse community there. Um, Obviously, the city uh, welcomes a lot of refugees from all around the world. So it's um, perhaps a starting point for people to come into our libraries um, where they can have ESOL classes, learn how to use the library, access the computers, because obviously they they might not have any equipment or belongings with them um, that they can use so they can find out how they can keep in touch with their families, how they have to fill out the forms that they've got to. Um, So we offer support in terms of we've we've got the computer access for them, we've got the classes, particularly at Central Library at the moment. Um, we've got lots of classes going on um, for Ukrainian refugees, um, but they're just one of a wide group of refugees that we work with a, around the city. So for us in Fersal Library, it'd be getting people to join up to the library, which is free, explain to them the services that they can access um, and how we can support them um, in doing so. Um, the computers in Fersal Library are heavily used. Um, they're the, the main calling point for people coming in throughout the day uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, also, because of on Broad Street, we work very closely with adult education. We will point, signpost people um, over the road to Broad Street um, adult education services so that they can start learning the skills that they're going to need to get them settled into the community. Um, we also offer um, conversation cafes um, whereby we've got colleagues who speak other languages who can establish them and start le- helping people socially integrate, learn how to speak the basics Things like how to, you know what do how to get a doctor's appointment. What do I say when I phone them up? And the language that they're going to need to make an appointment uh, for dentist, even things like that. And um, so it's the support that we offer there, and how we can signpost people to other services locally as well. I mean, it's a big reminder, isn't it? Again, the theme that's been coming up throughout the whole of this project has been libraries are much more than just borrowing books. Um, you know, and, and a big focus for the library is, you know, particularly this project to find innovative ways to, you know, engage audiences from more varied cultures. What kind of challenges do you as a library face kind of getting people to engage in these services? I think it's um, going out and talking to people and it's also our language barriers. Obviously, I work with colleagues who have several languages um, that they can use to come to the groups. So particularly with this project, I have a colleague called Sergit 
um, who could, was able to come with me to the sessions that I attended where we promoted the library service, where we showcased the books that we'd um, purchased specifically for this project on the polymer clay jewellery, because that's what the group would be making. Um, but because she had the language skills as well, she was able to interpret what I said for those who don't have um, as much English um, as, as part most of the group, you know, it was a diverse group that we were working with. So she was enabled to um, interpret what I was saying and how we were promoting the services um, and what they could find in the library. So one of the initial sessions that we set up with Emma um, was for uh, the group to come in and visit the library um, so that they could find out what we were doing there and get to get the people joined up to the library and remind them it's free service um, and what we could offer to help them and support them um, and what services locally that they could find. Um, so, yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was that like, Emma? You know, what was the reaction of people when they came to the library for the first time? I think it was really useful because we, we did um, kind of benchmarking at the start of the project and at the end. And we we're only actually just collating the end benchmarking at the moment. So I'm afraid can't comment hugely on that. But at the start benchmarking, a few people said they, they were members of the library, but pre-COVID. And I think it was great to have that opportunity for them to go back and, and feel safe about going back. Then there were people that are coming to the community more recently and, you know, like we said, didn't know about the library. So they were, I mean, they, they went, we split the group and some, some went to the library and then came back and then swapped round. But um, they came back with armfuls of books and um, just really smiley and finding out that this, this great resource um, to, to get books from, but also to do other things was on their doorstep. They were, they were thrilled. Well, you know, let us meet another one of the group members then, um, Sarinda. So Sarinda was happy to share with us her story um, as part of our digital recordings. Uh, she's 90 years old, but as you'll hear, she vividly remembers her childhood, born in Malaysia, but grew up between there and India during the Second World War and the partition. Uh, Sarinda's full interview, by the way, is available in later episodes of this podcast series. Uh, but for now, here's a, a snippet of that story. Uh, I think it's very rarely heard that you hear this kind of story on radio or even on the streets of Coventry. Well, I was born in Malaysia. At the age of one, my parents went to India. One of my aunties, she didn't have any children. So for six years, seven years, I was with them in the village. But I had very, very lovely childhood. Lot of happiness, lot of love, lots of freedom. And we used to give get up in the morning and just have your breakfast, whatever. Then roam around all the village, in the fields, you know. Pick up sugarcane, have sugarcane, pick up a carrot, eat the carrot. <laughs> you know, everything natural. We never had like any snacks or anything in between. In those days, you are a child, not only of your parents, but the whole village. So everybody looked after That was the... The, the thing why I am saying is the great difference in all these years, the childhood I had and the childhood I see now, 
we were so lucky to have the child it wasn't about having cars or you know all the material things it was simple love care protection Well, you know, Emma, craft space has been using craft as a way to challenge people's perceptions of themselves, of how they think. You know, why is it such a great vehicle to support people struggling, say, with their mental health? Firstly, it's that people can identify with craft um, and making because, you know, craft's all around you. You wear craft in the clothes that you wear. Um, people are used to jewellery. So I think it's something they can identify with quite quickly, the materials and things. Um, you know, if you say to someone, draw, immediately people say, I can't draw. You know, they get scared. But with materials, it's so tactile. People want to touch and everything. Um, and then I think it's, it can create a really... Um, we can create a safe space. And I mean, the Shalani members are particularly excellent at creating a, a really lovely atmosphere where people feel more confident um, to relax into uh, the making. And I think when, I think I mentioned already, when people are busy with their hands, um, it can help uh, with any difficult conversations. But if it's not about conversations, it can just be a great way to move out of your everyday, your day-to-day -day issues and just have some quiet time. And it, when you're busy with your hands, it can quieten the mind, particularly if it's a more repetitive technique, it becomes more meditative. Um, so it's just excellent for, for those kind of um, issues. I mean, do you think there could sometimes be some apprehension, you know, over what um, art and crafts actually is and who it's for? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what's um, another reason why we're really passionate about what we do with Shulanu and how talented these women are, um, because they represent different communities. People automatically maybe feel a bit more relaxed coming into a situation where it's people they can identify with more because I think people do feel a bit nervous about it especially if it's not something they've done before so I mean I did go and visit the wellness junction a few months before we started actually and took pieces we'd made during another project um, to just get them excited about the things that they might make um, because there is that kind of barrier I think if you People do, if you say art or craft, people think it's not for them. Um, so it's just kind of breaking it down and creating a really welcoming environment. And tea and cake always help as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> well, let's hear someone who is a huge advocate for this. Um, another member of the group was Asha. Um, and Asha actually told us um, how much he'd struggled with mental health over the years. Uh, but through these sessions and using art and craft, you know, he'd really found an outlet. Coming to this class has really turned my fuel for art because I know art is a place, it takes you to a nice place. It's a good therapy, I love art. Through my trials and tribulations of life, art has helped me. Without art, I may not be here today, so art is a great part of my life because it feeds my mind, it feeds my spirit, it lets me grow. I was raised in a home. When I was in a home, I used to draw on paper. I used to draw on cornflakes, boxes, 
I used to draw and choose boxes. Anywhere where there's a blank space, I used to fold it. And then I got promoted to paper. Wow, proper paper. When you look at what you've done, you can say you've done it. And when you can give it to somebody, oh my gosh, that is the greatest thing of all. When you can create art and give it to somebody, there's nothing better than that. So art to me, it is the compass. If it saved me, it can save others. And art gives people the tools. So let's talk a bit more practically then, Emma. How many sessions were there? What on earth were you doing? I'm like trying to paint a picture, forgive the pun, like, you know, in my mind of what on earth you were all getting up to in these uh, crazy sessions. I'll part, I've got the picture of the tea and cake <laughs> on the side. But how many weeks did it run for? You know, what, what happened? I really should have um, double checked this. I think it was 11 weeks altogether. So we, we did a taster session. Um, and we were using polymer clay, uh, which I think of a mix of as kind of, it's very colorful like plasticine, um, but you can bake it in your oven so it hardens and then it's really robust. Um, so we were doing jewelry with polymer clay inspired by stories of cultural background and family stories. So the way that we structured um, the sessions, as I said, firstly, we did a taster session where we made badges um, and we tried to have alt options as well because um, it wasn't just women in the group. There were men as well. They might not want to make jewellery, but they really got into it as well. Um, so the first session we made badges and we just asked them to pick three colours that represented themselves or their cultural background. Um, and uh, we have examples and Shalani were great facilitators. They do demonstrations and take them through step by step. Um, after the um, taster session, uh, we uh had uh, jennifer collier who's a paper artist come in because although we'd said we were going to do jewelry the, the the group had um showed an interest in exploring textiles as well uh, jennifer collier is a paper artist but she uses textile techniques so she came in to explore how we could um, combine textile techniques with the polymer clay so they did a session with jennifer stitching through paper um, and then uh, the next few sessions, I think it was the next four, five sessions, um, Shalani took the members through learning different jewellery tech, um, how to make jewellery items with the polymer clay. So uh, rings one week, earrings the next week, um, bracelets another week and necklaces another week. And with within that, we taught them different techniques with the polymer clay. So you can have um translucent polymer clay where you can mix in spices or flowers so you can bring your own cultural background into it that way that was one way uh, we stitched into pendants um, with thread uh, building on from jennifer's session um, we mixed colors as well showed them how to mix their own colors um, and then at the end of those uh, five weeks or so we had a design session where we helped them think about what they were designed for their own collection and then the final sessions was the making their own collection so uh, two or three pieces that worked together as a group learning and um, building on what they'd learned in the taster session so each member actually of the the wellness junction actually went home with items they'd made during every session and then their own collection at the end which really reflected either their family history or their cultural background and what I should talk about as well of course is 
because of the themes, we thought it would be really interesting to have an all historian, uh, which is something I've never done before in projects. And when Susan and I interviewed and we, we appointed Laura Owen, who was fantastic, um, we had quite a learning curve about what was needed um, time-wise and things to really make the most of the oral history. So we had to actually add in more sessions um, where Laura could do focused oral history with the group. Um, and that talking hopefully brought out ideas which they could then feed into their jewellery as well. Um, so that was the kind of main structure. Uh, the other reason that we use polymer clay, um, and then we have jewellery fixings that um, you, you add, so it's existing chain um, and earring fixings, but you have to assemble it all to, to make the jewellery. But the reason we use that material is it's relatively inexpensive. You can easily buy it online. The fixings are silver plates, so they're inexpensive. You, can, um, you don't need very many specialist tools and what you perhaps need aren't expensive either and you can bake it in your oven at home so we wanted to give the group skills in something that they continue could continue using easily at home and um, or together as a group and actually a lot of the participants did like make things at home with their children and grandchildren and things as well so Oh, that's lovely. I mean, I had no idea that you could do so much with clay. <laughs> it You've is amazing materials. And sure. I should say as well at the end, um, with all of craft space projects, we always have a sharing where we present the um, work professionally because they do make to a really high standard, beautiful standard. People have never used, made jewellery before and because Shalani are such great teachers. But we display the, the working cases with their stories. Um, and we had a wonderful sharing event, didn't we, uh, Susan, where um, some of the participants taught people coming to the sharing how to make a keyring using the skills they'd learned. We had the work on display. Um, and it always just has gives such a sense of achievement to the participants to see their work being treated in that way. Also, what a good job they've actually done. And some of them, we had a photographer there to take some portraits and some of them had said they didn't want their portrait taken, but then actually they were queuing up when they see them to have their portrait taken wearing their jewellery. We had to get all the jewellery off display so they could they could all wear it for their portraits. And it was, it was a beautiful event with singing as well. So it was amazing. Great. And actually, you know, um, I mean, a lot of that that was that display happened in the library, which there's not many people who would naturally walk into a library and think I'm going here to go and see some art, some crafts. Do you know what I mean? But there are photos, um, those photos of the work of some of the people are on display in um, Coventry Central Library uh, in July. So, you know, if you are listening to this and it is July, do go have a look. I mean, we've got some comments here because Laura, your oral um, historian, who we should thank, has captured the interviews of this, which are also forming as part of the wider podcast series. Um, we wrote some down here. So like Manjit, I've never created anything. This is the first time. It's making me feel joyous and mindful. The process has reminded me of my childhood. I'm from an Indian village where we used uh, used to use natural clay to make beads and thread them on wool. I grew up in nature. This making process took me back there. Uh, Dina, I've really enjoyed coming and learning something new. I'm not usually creative. I mean, and, and Susan, the library contributed into this project too because 
you went and got some books, you got some artefacts, you, you got involved in getting some of the material from your hidden cupboards, your secret resources. Like, I don't know where you fit it all in in Fosal Library, to be honest, because it's not the biggest of libraries. But, you know, I, I think that that's great that, you know, you were like, oh, hang on a sec. We've got something that you might be interested in. Great. Yeah, we we actually have a special collection that's held at Central Library, uh, so we don't have we don't have to take oh, it see. away at, at Fozil, but yeah. we have access to it to share because <laughs> um, we take it out into community groups anyway. Um, but we're fortunate to have sari materials and um, pattern books from India as well um, and Africa, and um, that we're able to bring to so give people inspiration. Um, from their own personal backgrounds um, and we also had lots of embroideries and um, cards because a lot of the cards um, Asian cards you know they're greeting cards things like that have a lot of fine embroidery on them just so that it gives people an idea that actually that's in their culture now and they're used to seeing that but how can they you know sort of inspire them to create something that speaks of them through those mediums you see and the polymer clay was amazing because it's so tactile um you know and the sh the main sharing at the end where people were learning how to make their own items from the group themselves was particularly special because that just showed how far they'd grown from when we first met them to where they were at the end and the wonderful pieces of jewellery that they um, sort of made and we put together as a collection at Fosil. Yeah, it was fabulous. Mm. I mean, some of the key themes, I suppose, around the library's objectives really tap into things like community, learning, sharing, um, a safe haven, you know, um, and Emma, I imagine that, you know, craft space and what the library's objectives are, they really come together because, mm. you know, whether these sessions have been in person or online, I think that feeling of a sense of connectedness, um, a sense of connectedness has really become important at the moment. You know, like a, a chance that people go to a group like this and they feel heard and they yeah. feel understood is that something that kind of reflected um, as you did these sessions? Definitely. I mean, we did, we were talking at first about whether we'd have to do the sessions online because of the time that we started was in the autumn winter months. Um, but the keen, the, the group were really keen to do them in person because obviously they've been feeling very isolated. So it was great that we could make that happen. Um, but yeah, working through a shared process over a number of weeks like that um, does really bring people together I think um, you know even though we, we, we were very warm and, and welcoming that there's a little nervousness at start the start but we we did give people a, a chance to speak every session um, we were asking them every session how they felt at the start how they felt at the end um, we had a couple of weeks where we didn't meet because of Christmas and things and people said they'd missed us and then actually at the sharing I, I almost was in tears because we um, we give out certificates at the end as well just um, to say you know to recognize what they've achieved and all the skills they've learned and um, lots of the participants the members of the wellness junction were just getting up to say things weren't they season to to say what what the project had meant to them and how much they were going to miss the Wednesdays of making and they wanted us to come back and one of the organizers spoke first then another of the organizers and then three of the participants all said well I want to say I want to say and it just it just showed how 
how connected they'd become, um, not just to each other again, but to the Shalani members as well. Um, and as I said, they create a really lovely atmosphere and, and it just, in that sharing, it became apparent about the connections that had, had, had happened as a result of those number of weeks. So it is about, it is about allowing enough time in a project for that trust to, to build up. And, you know, we, we could have filled another three or four months, really. We, we could have had more sessions where we had more history and more chance to talk. We did have to slimline things a bit just because of the time scale, but it still, it still worked. And I think still meant a lot to everybody involved. Mm, I mean, I think, you know, we have someone else here who can agree with us, actually. I'm thinking of one of the members of the group called Kubra, who during her recorded conversation hit the nail on the head about how community was really at the heart of this collaboration. Now, Kubra is a retired nursery teacher. Have a listen to this. This is her sharing why these weekly sessions were so important to her. I love art and craft. You know, when you are quiet, you are lonely. You know, this is the place we meet each other. We talk out what feeling we have in the heart. And you know, by meeting other people, you become more open and I think you enjoy. I can see how they are enjoying themselves because sometimes they are not loud at their place, at the home. So this is the time they get time to be loud. So, and I appreciate for the, our leaders, they can understand why these people are loud. Because, you know, when you are all alone in the house, you don't talk to anyone, your TV is your friend, and you are TV's friend. You know, only the TV can talk, but here you have a company to talk to. Since I started being in a group, I think I've become more means happy, I can say I'm happy. I'm really, I long when it is Monday to come or when it, uh, when it is going to be Wednesday to come and see everyone happy. And we are welcomed with our teachers, our elders and everyone, which is very good. And I pray that uh, this group should continue and especially with art, with yoga classes, with computer, because we, I mean, a person like me, there are so many things which I don't know about computer, but uh, coming here makes us, our life, a little bit easy and to be more confident, because you don't depend on anyone. I've learned so much and I've become more confident since I've retired. I retired last year. Yeah, and uh, that's it, I can say, for today. Emma, you know, this is Digital Spaces Presents. Um, you know, why was it important that we needed to think about the digital aspect of this project? And what do we mean by that? Well, I think it was a, it was a big aim, obviously, of of Coventry Libraries and and the space to to have digital outcomes, but have this kind of tactile process first and this engagement. But I think the digital is important. I mean, we saw it through the pandemic how we all had to to switch to digital. 
quickly because it, it enabled us to keep those connections going. But I think in the future with this, um, you know, we, we are limited in how many people we can reach with these kind of projects because of capacity and time and, and budget. But having a digital outcome um, means you can perhaps share process and ideas and and the starting points with with more people that if it's of interest to them they can they can hopefully start something for themselves or as, as part of a group um so having those digital outcomes just mean there's, there's more of a legacy for the project i guess and and that more people can benefit in the long run I mean, it's part of the part of the preparation for ourselves um one of the shalani members made great little videos about what we were going to make each week and that was partly for shalani's preparation but we also shared them with the um the group the group members via whatsapp so they could see each week what they were going to be doing or if they'd had to miss a week they could see what was done and could potentially you know have a go at home um so the digital was important there actually communication through whatsapp was really kind of key to keep uh, things going but I think it is just that that possibility of of reaching more people really is so important yeah and now you know as a result of us talking about this this you know um the the exhibition which is happening in central library we've got the photos um of the work we've got the portraits of the people it means that for the people who weren't there at the time they can see what on earth you were all getting up to? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, in your original proposal, you, you know, you wanted to help shape the cultural provision at the city's libraries. Do you think you succeeded in that? I think time will tell. <laughs> so I think, um, I mean, hopefully we've, we've uh, given an idea about um, what groups like Shalani can, can bring to uh, community groups in the city to help them engage with their own creativity and hopefully continue with that. And we can perhaps give them tools to do that. I know Broad Street Hall are quite keen to continue having creative sessions. In terms of using the libraries we did uh, through the process of, of the project, identify four or five people who are really interested in being creative ambassadors and working with the library um, on future events to kind of perhaps give ideas or advice about what the community might like to see at the library. Um, so hopefully that connection will continue as a result of formed in Falls Hill project. Yeah, I mean, Susan, you're nodding your head. So, you know, <laughs> what, what what do you think about the, the relationships and connections that have been kind of fostered as, as a result of this? Uh, you know, that, that members of this group will return to the library? That's something that you'll build upon? I hope so, yes, that we'll get them engaged in other projects that we've got going on. I know Kubra actually comes into the library to creative kindness sessions, um, and she's also keen on getting more involved because she was sort of new to the area, so she didn't have any friends, so it's widened her social network. Um, so that has been wonderful to see. I think our connection to... Um, Broad Street Meeting Hall has definitely um, started now and we will start going in to see the groups more um, perhaps the library coming to them if, if even if they won't, won't come to us we can come to them we're talking about having collections of books there as well uh, and seeing other ways that we can work together um, we've just been part of the Jubilee celebrate celebrations um, so I think it's um, 
it's about us working closer now with the partners that are already on Broad Street. Um, so I think it's been a success already, um, but obviously we will build on that and take it forward. Um, and hopefully if Shalanu does come back, that we get involved again, showcase how the library can support um, art projects with, within our communities. Um, so that would be wonderful going forward. And what about, you know, the role of the library in the digital culture? What, what do you think about that? Well, it's very much part of us going forward. Um, we're, we're offering VR sessions um, to families um, in Fozil Library there twice a week. Um, so, and in other libraries within the city. Um, the oral history pro project that was part of this, this was um, something that's uh, very close to me because it brings, brings families together because they might not know the stories of their relatives. Um, and it's also the fact that a lot of them had come from other countries and how it felt growing up and then coming here and how different it was and how they established themselves in the communities. So their families might not know those stories and connected with it is the art that they've, they've produced and that we're going to see it and hear it I think that's an amazing legacy from us working very closely um, with, with uh, Emma and uh, Shalanu on, on this. Um, so I hope that uh, there are other projects that we will work on going forward in the future where we can share the lives of the communities that the libraries reach, because that was just Fozil. We've had other projects, art projects throughout the city um, that we've been closely involved in. So let's let's hope we can widen the, the network of those and reach other communities. Incredible. Yeah, legacy, a, a digital legacy and an archive. Fantastic. Well, thank you, um, both of you, for joining this call. Really uh, appreciate that you could come along and reflect on a wonderful project. Um, and thank you for listening uh, too. you know, like I say, if you're listening to this and you're in Central Library right now, then pop down and say hello to us in the main foyer. You know, look for the photos, there's the light boxes, there's the tablets. You can come and see for yourself photos of the work that's been created for this and our other projects in Tile Hill and Bell Green. Uh, there's also the chance to listen to more of the stories that Susan was talking about uh, collected in the digital archive for this project in the podcast series continue listening to the next track or pop down and borrow one of our tablets as part of the showcase either way we hope we've planted a little seed in your minds of what the library could do for you how could you get more value out of your local library whether that's in person or online ask a member of staff for support or visit coventry.gov uk slash libraries to find out more enjoy exploring bye for now bye